You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. John Le Carre died on Saturday. He was 89 and one of the greats, author of a couple of dozen books that people called spy novels, although they were much more than that. For comment, we turn to John Powers. He's critic at large on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, where he's heard on more than 600 NPR stations with 5 million listeners plus millions of more on the Fresh Air podcast. We reached him today at home in Pasadena. John, welcome back. Oh, nice to be here, John. Well, what was your introduction to John Le Carre? Okay, well, I was 12 years old and a lover of James Bond. I thought he was the acme of sophistication. And I was not necessarily wrong to have thought that because John F. Kennedy seemed to think that he was the acme of sophistication as well. And I loved them because, you know, it had the beautiful women who were who you could do anything you wanted with and you, you, even kill them afterwards if necessary. And, you, you know, you, you were flying off to exotic places and doing fun stuff. And I, and I was loving them and praising them. And my, my friend Paul Allen's brother was just back from his first year at Harvard. And he gave me a copy of The Spy Who Came In From The Cold and said, here's the real thing, kid. <laughs> putting me in my place. And then, I, and then what was interesting was I didn't like it. You know, because I, I was 12 years old. And, you know, and when you're 12 years old, John le Carre is too sophisticated. I mean, I, even now I talk to people who say that they tried to read le Carre and they find the plots too complicated. Yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, for a 12-year-old, he was just too much. Yeah, well, you know, I remember reading for the first time The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. I was not 12 years old. I was much older. And, you know, the whole story centers around the Berlin Wall. And I have to say, it had the most devastating ending of any book I've read before or since, I think. I mean, it's it's really different from what most adventure stories are like. Maybe we start with the fact that it, when, like, maybe Le Carre's great theme is betrayal. 
And so this is a, a, a thing where a man, you know, where the hero, Lemus, pretends to be betraying the Secret Service by, by moving over to the other side of the Berlin Wall in order to betray somebody. And in the process of this, he winds up you know, betraying a woman also. You know, I mean, he doesn't know he's betraying it, but there are all these levels with betrayal within betrayal within betrayal, which is which is the Le Carre thing. But it is the one that has has genuine power at the end. And pop culture stuff usually has a little pop, which, you know, that's why it's called pop. You know, so it, it, it it's the pop of pop culture. But Le Carre actually had genuine emotion. And this was, he created a world and you were inside it. And then it was so dark. And it's, it's the quintessential Berlin Wall story, I think. Well, it was clear from the, from the very beginning of Le Carre in Spy Who Came In From The Cold that he did not buy into the prevailing Cold War ideology. Spies were not heroes. We were not the good guys in a worldwide struggle defending freedom against tyranny. Our side was full of, as you say, hypocrisy, betrayal, stupidity. And the spies on the other side, we come to learn in his other novels, especially Carla, were sort of like us. And his conclusion was pretty clear. In fact, he wrote in the new introduction to his classic work, Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy, that uh, pretty much everything the MI6 and the CIA did were useless or worse. Quote, they would have done much less damage to their countries, moral and financial, if they had simply been disbanded, close quote. But it wasn't really his ideology that made him a great writer. It was his characters, his plots, his sentences, and especially his unforgettable, what should we call him, alter ego, George Smiley. Yes. Well, I mean, George Smiley is probably the greatest of all spy, spy heroes, pro probably because he's gray. And he's all-knowing, except for the fact that he, 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 he's so all-knowing that he knows his wife's constantly cheating on him, but not, but not powerful enough to be able to stop it. He is the person who is infinitely patient, who goes through details, who is a sieve for all sorts of information, whose affect tends to be neutral but kind, and yet who, in the course of the novels, does all sorts of unkind thing to people costing them their lives in some cases be because of the things he's doing in a rather bland way. But he's brilliant and we identify with him. And we identify with him because he's the seeker after the information. And, and we, we, we join him in the search for the information. And because the search for the information is fascinating, we somehow impute to him a fascination that he may not have. He is in, in many ways such a human character, partly because he's not spectacular in any way, but he's exceedingly good at his job. I mean, you could imagine him in another life being the world's greatest actuary or, or insurance investigator or something. But, but in the spy context, he's spectacular, but he's without being spectacular. And the task that he is given in the greatest Smiley book, Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy, is to find the mole. Apparently, this was a term that Le Carre himself invented, and this was one of Le Carre's sort of enduring preoccupations, the double agent. He knew about Kim Philby, the great mole in 
MI6, sort of the inspiration for this book. And he said what's fascinating to him about the mole is that he has to do this balancing act. He has to be the best person working for his ostensible employer. He has to have triumphs that make him notable and honored. But at the same time, he has to do his job for his real employer, which is to undermine and destroy everything he has worked on for his ostensible employer. It's a complicated situation, and it's one that Le Carre and Smiley were obsessed with. Oh yes, well, no, I mean, it, I mean, it is the it, it is the great obsession, you know, and it of the I mean, the double agent is in fact. I think it's such a powerful notion because we feel that probably in our daily lives, we're surrounded by people who, are, who may not be working in the direction they seem to be, people who aren't wholly committed to the prospect at hand. Anyone who's ever felt betrayed has thought, oh, this, this person has smiled and gone along with being my friend, and they weren't. So you take that kind of ordinary thing and then you expand it into geopolitical and bureaucratic terms. You know, and, one, and one of the great things about, about, the, about the smiley search for, for the mole is that it takes you inside the bureaucratic workings of, of the spy business. And Lacare was great at creating a world with its own terminology. I mean, mole is, is the most famous. I mean, but he has like his lamp lighters. You know, and he, he makes you feel that you're in this entire thing that's been so densely imagined. And then you're picking your way through and there are rules and, and regulations and there are people you've been working with for years. And then you have people who know the lore. I mean, it, it's all brilliantly conceived that Smiley is gradually, you know, trying to work his way through. And it's really exciting when you finally get there. Um, and Tinker Taylor even has one of the great endings of who the spy is with the spy's explanation of how he got away with it, which, which I would never reveal to people. But his explanation for how he got away with it is so great that you realize that in addition to all of his other virtues, Lakari is one of the great plotters. You don't get to have 20 bestsellers if you, if you aren't telling stories that are sophisticated and complicated. If you're going to be doing what he's doing, the plots have to be really good, and they are really good. The twists are really good. I mean, Spike came from the Gold offers the first great twist, but a lot of them have it. The follow-up to Tinker Taylor's Smiley's People also has, you know, great plot twists and you're catching, you know, people's weaknesses are revealed in interesting ways. Um, I mean, he's, I mean, he's really good at all of that. Then there's another of his most famous books, which is not a smiley story, which is, has sort of the opposite of smiley, his character, Magnus Pym, who's the central figure in A Perfect Spy, 1986. Magnus Pym is supremely confident, charming, winning, women love him, we admire him. And I noticed Philip Roth called A Perfect Spy the best English novel since the war, which is kind of an astounding thing to say about any book. But uh, A Perfect Spy, actually, there is a secret to A Perfect Spy. What is it? Oh, yeah. Well, the secret is that, you know, that the hero of it is the son of a confidence man and criminal, a kind of larger than life, almost Dickensian crook. And in fact, Jean Le Carre, you know, David, his father, Ronnie Cornwall, was that man. You know, the, a perfect spy is, the, is basically Le Carre telling the story of his own childhood with, with the charming confidence man who is a crook, who's ripping people off, but who's so good at he's a, actually able to run for parliament as, 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 a, as a confidence man. 
and who puts the young Le Carre to work doing some of his dastardly work, you know, helping to cheat people, helping to not pay bills in places. I mean, Le Carre actually was kind of the, the servant as a young man of this confidence man, which leads to both A Perfect Spy being a terrific book, but also leads, I think, to his sense of not trusting anybody. I mean, he's very good at seeing things like spy agents as confidence games themselves. You know, so it's like when he's saying that, that the spike didn't really accomplish anything, but they're, they're able to convince people they accomplish things. And, and you can imagine with that kind of background, with your father as a con man who's been using you, how it makes you skeptical of everything. But he has a lot of the dad's skills as well. Because the, the dad being a, a, a rogue, but Lakari was a famous mimic. And one of the things in his writing is he does voices probably better than anybody since Dickens. You hear the people talking. He can, he can give you the drawl of an aristocratic person in the, in the foreign ministry. But his working class people actually don't sound like stage working class people. They sound like working class people because he had a fantastic ear. And I think this is probably part of being being surrounded by all that and like listening to people and learning how to work them and the whole thing. After the Berlin Wall fell, after the end of the Cold War, people said, poor old Le Carre, he's run out of material. They've taken his wall away. And the New York Times obit said, uh, quote, if Mr. Le Carre painted his Cold War world in shades of gray, his subsequent books seemed increasingly black and white. This is a criticism. And I kind of think the conventional view is, yeah, he went downhill when he lost his great subject. I wonder if you agree with that. He didn't go downhill. I, I, I think he did have a great subject. And, he, and part of the greatness of the subject was that readers liked reading about that subject. And so sudden, suddenly his spy agency wasn't quite the same and the language was different. So you kind of felt cheated of your imaginary world. The books are up and down. Some of them are more black and white. I think in particular the ones after September 11th, that there was a hatred for American spies and what America was doing that skewed things for several years. I mean, he was just angry about it. And I think what was curious was he never seemed he never seemed angry in that way about the Cold War stuff. He probably got a little bit older and got a little bit crankier. His disapproval of what was going on in the Cold War with, with the spy agencies was less ideological than his criticisms of the spy agencies later. That said, a bunch of the books are really, really good. Even some of the bad ones have great plots. You know, they keep you going. You know, I mean, you know, the night manager is is the closest he ever came to writing a James Bond book, I think, with, you know, with the supervillain arms dealer and the hero who actually gets in fights and does all that sort of stuff and has the beautiful woman. Uh, it's, 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 that's the closest. But it's still a terrifically good book and became a terrifically good TV show. A lot of people say our kind of traitor in 2010 was his return to form. Yes, no, it was return to form. But, you know, but along the way, even, you know, when, you, when he was doing The Little Drummer Girl, which I remember not liking so much when I'd read it at the time, probably because I felt cheated of Smiley and all the rest. The Little Drummer Girl is a good book. And it's, it is so complicated because, you know, Lakari was a lover of Israel. 
And yet he didn't dislike the Palestinians at all. I mean, and they, they're very, their situation is very sympathetically represented, partly because also he was a researcher. And it, by that point, he was so famous that, you know, if you're, if you're, I mean, Lakari is one of the few people who actually could just like have, could have terrorist type people say, oh, sure, we'll tell you about what we do. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not an, and that's not a call you and I can make. You, you, you know, you can't actually get Mossad people to tell you stuff they do just because they like your book so much. You know, but, but he got that, you know, and, you know, I, the constant gardener actually is, you know, is an interesting thing about drug companies. You know, he wrote interesting th- books about interesting things. He wrote about the banking, about bankers and, and their dealings. He wrote about, about Russian oligarchs. He wrote about the Congo. You know, I mean, he was interested in lots of places, you know, and not all of the books are equally good, but not all of the Cold War books are equally good. Writers are allowed to write lesser books along the way. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mean, it was very funny how he and you know, Lakari and Rushdie had a huge falling out, and Lakari was was on the wrong side of like defending Rushdie, partly because Rushdie had panned one of his books, I think. Hmm. Um, you know, but but in fact, as much as I've liked Rushdie over the years. I would rather have John Le Carre than, than, than Salman Rushdie. I think he actually says more about the world that's interesting to me than Rushdie does. One last thing that I especially appreciate about John Le Carre, and that is his reluctance to do interviews to promote his books. He said talking about his own books uh, was, quote, making bird noises. <laughs> and since you and I are in the business of being on the radio, we we know what he means. Oh, oh we, we do know. And, and and what's also, what's so funny about it is when you hear him interviewed, you know, he has a lovely voice. You know, he speaks incredibly well. His bird noises would be spectacularly <laughs> marvelous raconteur. And, and the thing is, I, along the way, I, I know some literary critic types have said that, like, his sentences aren't as great as so-and-so. I mean, I think... He, I think he's an incredibly good writer, you know, line by line. I think no one who's written popular fiction probably has ever been a better writer than John le Carré. I once was asked by somebody what was I thought was the greatest English novel. And I thought I wasn't sure. I thought, you know, I, I, it would change with me and like to the lighthouse might be it. <laughs> yes. But if you ask me the one I liked best. If I'm being honest, it's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's my favorite English novel. And I'm and I think that it's as good as almost everything that people might say is better. John Powers, critic at large on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. John, thanks for talking with us about John Le Carre today. I'm very happy to do it. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time, from an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. 
online at herzing.edu or text health to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.